Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our gospel reading from the gospel of Luke chapter 12. And as we begin, we'll actually start with that word that King Solomon repeated numerous times in Ecclesiastes, vapor. And to set the scene, and I know, um, I know it's going to be a beautiful day out today in the 80s and maybe some, some rain tomorrow or so I hear. But if you can think to a blustery day, maybe a cold day, maybe late November or December or January, the kind of day where you don't want to go outside, but every now and then you have to anyway, and you open your front door or you're walking to your car, and the chill just kind of catches your breath. And you exhale. And the vapor hangs in the air for a brief second or two and then disappears. That's the word and that's the concept that King Solomon is working with. King Solomon, the man who... Um, that God had come to him and said, ask me whatever, whatever you would need, whatever you would want. And Solomon had said, well, Lord, give me wisdom. And God certainly did that. And then God blessed him to the extent that, that gold was as common as silver and silver as common as the asphalt in the street. And it's that King Solomon who, looking back over his life and thinking back over his life, thinking about the accomplishments and thinking about the wealth that he had accumulated, which was um, more than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, and probably more than that lottery winner in Illinois. This King Solomon thinks back over his life, and he says, you know what? It's, it's like exhaling on a cold winter day. It hangs in the air for a while, and then it disappears. The glory that was his, the glory that was for the nation of Israel, well, it would be handed into the hands of his son Rehoboam. And as you might recall, Rehoboam wasn't, wasn't godly or wise. And he sparked a civil war, and pretty soon the entire empire that God had constructed was in a shambles. Solomon knew what he was talking about. And the thing is that you and I do as well. When he talks about life and the accumulation and the blessings that we have as a vapor, because the other, the other side of that, the other aspect um, that really makes it all make sense is why Jesus teaches this on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to be crucified. Why does Jesus teach Exactly what we talk about here, including this very pointed parable that um, I'm sure has, has crossed your mind a time or two. And when we read it, it's like, oh, that kind of sets things in focus now, doesn't it? As Jesus is on his way to be crucified, with his eyes completely focused on restoring the broken relationship between God and people. And in his mind, the concept and the reality that human life is only a vapor that we linger in the air for 60 or 70 or 80 years, sometimes 90 or, in the case of um, one funeral back in Ottawa, 106 years, 7 months, and 9 days. And then we disappear. Our family remembers us for a while, but the investments um, are distributed according to the will. 
and everybody else moves on. Jesus says these things because he knows, he knows what our hearts really want and need. Jesus says these things because he is so absolutely focused on restoring this broken relationship and he wants to warn you and me about all the imposters, all the imposters that seem to promise exactly what God promises and seem to give exactly what God gives, all the imposters that keep our eyes focused on the here and the now and what we can count and see rather than on the eternal and the spiritual, the blessings that go beyond this world, all the imposters that try to, that are blessings from God for the most part, and all the imposters that make the same promises that God makes. But, again, they are only a vapor. This man comes up to Jesus and says, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance over me. And Jesus just gets straight to it in verse 15. Watch out and be on guard against all greed, because a man's life is not measured by how many possessions he has. Because your life, does not measure by how many possessions you have or by what you don't have. And it's simple enough to look at this and to see what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 12, and it's simple enough to look at this and say, oh, I am glad I don't have that problem. I am glad that I don't, I'm not um, stacking up the, the portfolio that Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk has. It's those people who are the greedy ones. Those people whose, whose wealth has completely captured their lives. I'm glad I'm not like them. But at the same time, the devil likes to use the back door of worry. And what is it that we worry about? And what is the solution to the worry that we look for? And it's that back door of worry that perhaps opens our eyes to the reality that Jesus talks about here. That he is going, he is on his way to Jerusalem to, dis- to restore the broken relationship between God and man, between God and people. And he's warning the people who are following him, and he's warning this person who has come to him to watch out for the imposters. Imposters that, that are good blessings from God. But at the same time, imposters that are just as much vapor as you or I. Watch out for the imposters. That if I do all the right things at all the right times and follow doctor's orders or I find the exact correct nutritional philosophy, then then I can retain my youth and my vitality for a long time. And it's good to, to manage our bodies well. But it's easy for that imposter to sneak in and become the goal, the one who promises something beyond vapor. It's easy enough for, some, for all of these blessings to sneak in and become the focus rather than see them in the proper relationship as blessings from our true God. Or take, for instance, the topic that Jesus addresses most directly, the topic of earthly wealth that Solomon had talked about as well. And if anybody knew wealth, it was definitely him. That it is there for a while and then it disappears like vapor. You accidentally click the wrong link and end up wiring 15 grand to your Nigerian uncle and that's gone. 
Not speaking from personal experience, at least not yet. Or, perhaps more pertinently, the retirement that you had been planning on is, um, is tied to a stock market that is not going the direction that you need or that you want. And it's simple enough because that imposter of, of things that we can count and see and measure and calculate, that imposter applies both whether we have a larger stack or a smaller stack by whosoever standard we use. Either it's, it's so much that we can't count it, but we are concerned about retaining it in this world where moth and rust destroy, or it's so little that, we are, that it's always on our minds and we are wondering how are we going to hit all the bills and how am I going to actually make it to the next month? But either way, whether right there in our vision or coming in through that side door of worry, this blessing that God has given to his people for use in this world, this blessing tries to promise that if if you had enough, and if you used it wisely, then, then you'll have some sense of permanence, you'll have some sense of security, you'll have some sense of well-being, and you won't have a care in the world. And it always happens that it's, if you had just a little bit more, then there would be nothing to worry about. And there's the second imposter. The first imposter that if I, if I manage my own body and my own life well, then I can retain all of the youth that I have. And the second imposter, that if I manage what God has given to me well enough, then I will have nothing to worry about ever. But the reality, as Jesus goes to the cross to restore this broken relationship, is that he doesn't want you or me looking anywhere else anywhere other than him. The reality is that, is that our Lord is the one who gives, and our Lord is the one who takes away, that our Lord is the one who provides the opportunity to accumulate wealth and to work, and the Lord is the one who provides for us even when, even when our working days are past, and even when it looks like we don't know how things are going to work out. Because he doesn't want you or me falling for the imposters. And perhaps there are other imposters that you could think of. The one that this man in the parable, um, the, the secondary one that this man in the parable thought that he had and that he could manage was his own personal time. I've put in all the time, I've put in all the work, and I had a fantastic harvest, and, um, and everything went in the direction it was supposed to be, and my investment turned out well, and now I've got the next 30, 40, 50 years to do as I wish. I've got the rest of my life before me to enjoy and relax and take it easy. And I really deserve that after so much time, after so much effort and so much work. And that imposter, again, takes and distorts a blessing from our God. Instead of receiving it as a blessing from our God, receiving the time of our lives as a blessing from God, that imposter takes the place of our Lord. That if, if I've got this time, then I will use it how I see fit. And I will wring all the joy that I can out of this life because I know that my life is only a vapor. And I know that my days will come to an end. But I know that when I'm sitting here at the dock, or whatever the case may be, 
when I found my one happy place where I can spend my time, then it feels like time stands still. The question that he's really dealing with here is, is, yes, it's a question of priorities. Yes, it is a question of stewardship. But most of all, it is a question of relationship. That our first parents broke the relationship between us and our God. And as a result, every single person that you know has the sinful flesh that looks for restoration somewhere and somehow. And I'm sure every single person that you know, including the face that I see in the mirror every morning, is going to be disappointed some way and somehow at all these efforts at restoration. That despite the best efforts, an accident happens and now you've got to recover from that. That despite the hard work, the investment doesn't turn out or the surprise bill comes. And that despite all of our efforts and all of our scheduling, well, We don't have the time that we thought we did. And how much more true words could you get than Solomon saying, it is all only vapor. Like that exhale on a cold winter day that hangs in the air for just a minute and then slowly dissipates. And you and I are still left longing for more. And yes, if we we only saw these blessings that our Lord had given, we would be longing for more health and more enjoyment. We would be longing for more peace and security. We would be longing, perhaps, for um, our investments to be going in a positive direction. That if Jesus hadn't been so totally focused on this restoration of a relationship, we would be left longing that even if he gives us 70, 80, 90, 106 years, 7 months, and 9 days, we would be longing for more. Because the point of it, the point of it isn't the stuff that he gives us or the blessings that he gives us. The point is the reason why he goes to the cross, to restore this relationship between you and God. And to say, dear Christian, dear Christian, at every point in your entire life, it is true, even as St. Augustine had said, that it's like, it's like there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and our hearts are ever restless until they find their peace in you. And that's what Jesus came to give. This past Friday, as I noted in the, the announcement, announcement number seven, this past Friday, I, I baptized a little baby who was eight days old. And, uh, and I, I joked he was about the size of, um, of one of our children and you know, about the size of, like, two big Mac boxes. <laughs> but that little baby, that little baby received a treasure that is far greater than Elon Musk could ever promise. Maybe during that baby's lifetime, people might try to go to Mars. But even if that were accomplished, nothing could compare to the treasure given to that baby through holy baptism. That I don't know if that baby will live to be 70 years or something far less. But I do know that through that treasure of holy baptism, that our Lord has promised the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of a relationship 
I don't know if that child will end up being a multimillionaire or, or something far less. But what I do know is that our Lord has promised that child and committed himself to the promise that that child will one day walk on streets of gold. That the blessings that he gives there at the font are not blessings that you and I can count and calculate in an Excel spreadsheet. They're not blessings that we can see on a scale and measure with cholesterol or, um, or a length of lifetime. But that the blessings he gives there at the baptismal font are blessings that go beyond anything you or I can truly and completely comprehend. Forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. The blessing of comfort that even when, even when this person's life passes like a vapor, that God, that God our Savior has committed himself and known this child's name from before the creation of the world to give him heaven, a reality. And that's what God has done for you too. That it is very easy to get caught up in managing well all the things that God has given to us. Look around, and, and you, can, you know that we are in a very generous, generous country with, um, with a lot of opportunity, even now. Look around, and you can know that, that our Lord has, has blessed his people very much. Between the, the length of life and the gift of health, between the physical possessions that he has entrusted to our care for a period of time, but the greater blessing is the one that is unseen. The blessing of forgiveness. The blessing of forgiveness that is tangibly distributed. So you can't say to yourself, well, okay, um, there at the beginning, pastor said, I forgive you all your sins, but he didn't really mean me. When Jesus says, take and eat, he means you. And he proves it by giving you his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins again. And even those words... As much as our sinful heart would want to reject them, that I don't want that, I don't need that, and my Lord cannot forgive the shame that I've done. That this Jesus has paid for the sins of the entire world. All sins of all people, including the sin of worry, including the sin of, of getting caught up in the blessings that our God has given and using those as imposter replacements for the relationship that our Savior has won. So then what shall we do? After our second service today, at approximately 12.05 p.m., we'll be having our quarterly ministry meeting, um, also known as a quarterly voters meeting. But I'd like to invite, make sure that everybody knows that they're invited, and it's hopefully more exciting than, than something administrative like a voters meeting. <laughs> Maybe that's a vain hope, I don't know. You'll have to let me know. But in our quarterly ministry meeting, we're going to have three projects here at Resurrection that we'll be talking about, such as a sign out front and upgrading our video and audio for YouTube and for in the sanctuary here so that everybody can hear well, whether they are here or whether they are watching through YouTube, that they can participate well and that they can see and hear so that the word of God can reach them wherever they are. And we're also going to talk about, um, you know, upgrading our, our doors so that we can have more keys available for everybody. And it sounds almost ironic 
that here we are, Luke chapter 12, talking about this parable of, of the man who's like, I'm going to build bigger barns. And the focus that Jesus gives. And then not even an hour afterward, we're talking about what are the expenditures that our congregation is going to carry out here. But for a purpose. Because Jesus also says in another parable to, that we use worldly wealth to gain friends for ourselves. And what he means there is that we use the, the vapor-like and transitory blessings that he gives to extend the proclamation of his word. That even though your life or mine is only a short period of time, and even though the blessings that our Lord gives might only be yours for a relatively short period of time, at the same time, to think that the proclamation of God's word can happen in this place so not only your grandchildren, but your grandchildren's grandchildren would have a place to worship. Not only your own grandchildren, but their grandchildren would be able to hear the word of God proclaimed here in the greater Toledo area. And that's an investment I can get behind. Because that's the work that our Lord has called us to carry out together. To, yes, to support the ministry here, but also to use what he has given in a way that keeps things in proper perspective. That our relationship with our blessings is contingent on our relationship with our Lord. That we know that our Lord will provide for us, and he has just as he has provided us, and just as he has promised. And yes, he has also called us and encouraged us to make wise choices as we manage the blessings that he has given to us. But part of that wisdom also is to say, how can we make choices now and make ministry decisions together so that the proclamation of God's word would happen more easily and more broadly and for a longer period of time? Because the one thing that Jesus values more than health, wealth, or time is souls, people. And he values them so highly that that Jesus went to the cross with a laser-like focus so that he could restore the relationship between people and himself. That that Jesus went to the cross with a laser-like focus and he raised himself from the dead to give power to baptism. That he went to the cross, raised himself from the dead, gave power to baptism to bring you along and incorporate you into this ministry, the work of proclaiming his word so that forgiveness is freely distributed and forgiveness impacts the life and brings the blessing that our Lord really wants us to treasure. Not the things we can count and see and measure, but the greater and immeasurable gifts, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. So that even, even, even if, and especially when, the blessings of your life are like a vapor, that the health eventually disappears, that the wealth either disappears or gets passed off to somebody else, that the time stops. Even when those things disappear like a vapor, during the vapor-like period of our lives, we can work together to use them 
to bring eternity to the life of another, to bring forgiveness to the life of another. Solomon was right. Richer than Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk put together. But what he says to you and to me is exactly what Jesus says here. Dear friend, dear friend, understand the blessing that our Lord has given to you and your forgiveness. And take a moment to thank God for that above, before, and after every other blessing. Amen.